we're definitely not respecting those biological clocks and they they are they're really grounded in temperature and light so we can shift them because of our technological advances by creating constant temperature environments and constant light um, but at the end of the day we, we still want to know uh, and, and follow what the earth is doing so as as we move through that seasonality as we as we look at what the earth is doing if we wander too far from that that's where the disorders really start to pop out do you want to know what it is body mind empowerment get stronger faster smarter quicker friendlier more helpful more driven everything the body needs control your mind welcome to the body mind empowerment podcast i'm your host seamland and our guest today is tara youngblood tara is a co-founder and chief scientist at chili sleep systems she helps people get the coolest sleep ever with the use of technology and biohacking tara welcome to the show hi thanks for having me yeah, it's uh, great to talk with you over the inter internet. And <laughs> we just br br briefly, before we went online, we talked about like the different time zones, etc. So I'm, I'm ca calling in from Estonia. And where are you calling in from? North Carolina, the USA. Nice. And uh, how is the weather this time of the year? You know, we just finally got fall. It was very delayed this year. So actually today is kind of rainy and dreary, but... Um, it's still pretty warm here, so today today's high is actually going to be about 24 degrees Celsius. Oh, that's that's pretty pretty damn high. <laughs> so it's still pretty warm. Can't complain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so the Chili Technologies, it's a it's a company that sells the Chili Pad, which is basically like a cooling mattress. And before we get into like how it works, can you tell us like how did you end up founding a company that sells these kinds of mattresses? Yeah, so um, the background story is my husband and I actually met the first day of college and uh, sort of started our entrepreneurial ventures about 20 years ago. Um, his uncle invented the waterbed, so we kind of got the bug to invent and come up with product ideas. So we've actually brought over 100 different products to market in lots of different categories for different people. And then we stumbled upon this idea basically because people were adjusting pe pressure for sleep, like a select mm -hmm. comfort. They were talking about pressure, and um, I like the idea of being able to adjust temperature. Todd sleeps really hot always, and I was always cold, and so there was, you know, the famous thermostat wars of what temperature to keep your house when you both right. want different temperatures. So it seemed like a good market evolution. Um, the super fun part about it is that it, uh, once we, people started using it, we found that there was more to it than just comfort of being able to adjust that. It had, did some magical stuff in the middle of the night and we get into the science of how that works. Um, so that's where I took my physics and background and really applied it to figuring out what was going on in, in people's sleep when they affect it with temperature. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of what has led us to where we are today where we're really focused not only on just that comfort factor but being able to really change uh, the quality of sleep. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty noble cause in the sense that sleep uh, is a pretty big problem uh, for most people, especially getting like rejuvenative sleep and actual quality sleep. So uh, I don't know about the exact statistics, but I've heard like uh, at least like the majority of people have some sort of a sleep sleep related disorder, whether that be sleep apnea, just insomnia, or just you know chronic fatigue syndrome, etc. So uh, you know, trying to optimize your sleep in any shape or form 
is something that uh, most people would uh, want to do and uh, but unfortunately they don't really do it it's you know it's one of those things that people shrug off and tend to ignore until it's too late yeah i think there's i'm hoping that there's signs i definitely see there's signs of people treating sleep more in the category of diet and exercise or or fitness i mm-hmm. think that it's as important as those two maybe even more important because it emphasizes those i feel like if there's an equation to describe it it's diet and exercise but you multiply whatever you do times sleep so if you don't get great sleep, you're going to basically be multiplying it by a negative number and that's that doesn't give a good result. So you really want to have a positive sleep experience to uh, lose more weight or be more effective on a diet. Um, you want to have better performance. We have a lot of Olympic and professional athletes that use sleep as, a, as their basically hidden superpower. It gives you yeah gives you really great results. So yeah, I hope that, uh, I think a statistic I read recently is at least 50% of the world's population is now struggling with sleep or acknowledging mm-hmm. that they have a sleep issue. And that's just flabbergasting really, because mm-hmm. it's, it's something that um, people really need to take seriously. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so the chili pad, like I said, it's, it's like this cooling mattress and uh, directs uh, cooler water underneath the bed or into, into underneath the person who's sleeping on it and uh, you know what's the kind of rationale behind it so why does why does a cool cooler bed help a person sleep better so actually the the chili pad and the Uller will both go hot or cold they'll mm-hmm. they'll adjust anywhere between um uh, 13 degrees Celsius up to 44 degrees Celsius. So, you know, it, it really is at full range. But when you manage the temperature of the human body, we're really engines. Just like in your car, you have a radiator that helps manage that temperature so it doesn't overheat. The chili pad and Uller really serve that same purpose for sleep. So in your bed at night, on your like this is just a pad that sits on your mattress, but your mattress has foam materials in it, and those make it really comfortable but the foam tends to heat up. Any of those man-made materials are going to absorb heat from your human engine, and then they're going to reflect it back at you. So you're going to take your 37 degrees, and you actually might heat up under the blankets even hotter than your body temperature. What your body wants to do, though, is almost the exact opposite. So your circadian rhythm or your biological clock actually follows a, a path and your temperature reflects that path throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night is actually the coldest part. So uh, you can drop, it really depends on the person, but you can drop up to two degrees Celsius. Um, so at that very bottom of that valley, you want to be cooler. And honestly, from when you start to sleep to that, that valley point is really focused on deep sleep and deep sleep specifically really does want it cooler because it's it's trying to fall, it's trying to drop that extra heat off to lower its core body temperature. Mm-hmm. So if your bed is hot, then it's going to have to work really hard to to get rid of that heat. That's when a lot of people get night sweats or or they're just they're kicking their covers off. It's all of those sort of things. Even when you wake up to use the restroom, it's a factor of not being in deep sleep because while you're in deep sleep, your body does um, put off hormones that would inhibit you from using wanting to use the restroom. So if you're awake, it means you're not getting great deep sleep and you're probably awake because of temperature yeah 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 it's so true you know the you mentioned the circadian rhythms and those uh, things are somewhat 
uh, very new, but at the same time, people also tend to associate only light with it. So there are many things that affect the circadian rhythms and affect their sleep quality, like temperature being one of them. And you actually yeah, do, do need, or it would be like better to have like a lower temperature uh, in, your, in your core to uh, fall asleep faster and also rejuvenate from it better. So the problem is that in the modern world, we're not only disrupting our circadian rhythms with like artificial light, but we also do it with you know, the constant heating and central heating, et cetera. We don't, we don't really experience the variation in temperature during the daytime. And uh, I've, I've seen some studies that uh, higher, higher core temperatures and higher body temperatures are associated with less REM sleep and also like reduced sleep satisfaction. So it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty unfortunate situation in a sense that people just uh, they it's it's a it's a pretty simple fix in a sense that if you have like if you cool down before bed or if you sleep in a cooler environment then you can drastically see some improvement in the total quality of your sleep. Yeah, the science does match that. So Clifford Sapier out of Harvard um, was the first person to really coin the term sleep switch. So neurons in your brains, VLPO neurons, for those people that want to sort of Google this later, um, are actually triggered by temperature. So, and there's also been other studies, even with hunter-gatherers, temperature is a really uh, important aspect in triggering sleep. So when those VLPO neurons are triggered, they actually, that's what releases the melatonin. Mm. So having a temperature change that triggers those is really important to sort of starting that. So as you move from that sleep drive, as you get close to your bedtime, uh, it's looking for a temperature shift at or a light shift, one of those, but it's definitely temperature is an unconscious way to trigger sleep because it, it's into the hypothalamus. It's not your conscious brain. It's your unconscious brain is looking for that trigger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there like a th threshold uh, for the sleep switch? How many degrees do you have to drop? You know, honestly, it, it does depend a little bit on the person. Um, there's some seasonality to it, mm -hmm. but you know, one of the best ways is uh, even with you know, without a chili pad is, is to think about if you take your shower at night, if you go out and walk outside, because, you know, that, that temperature profile that we talked about with the circadian rhythm really does follow what happens outside at night, because we've lived outside for most of our existence as humans. Uh, it's just very recent that we started maintaining our constant temperature, as you talked about. So it's looking to drop, just like when the sun goes down, the lights dim, and it gets darker. We're looking for a uh, significant temperature shift and when I say significant it's it's not huge it's maybe five degrees but it's enough to to trigger that and, and that's what makes us uh, feel sleepy we get that melatonin rush we are all of those sort of hormones that help us want to go to sleep are released hmm. yeah it's a, it's it's funny to see that uh, the body does a pretty damn good job in uh, consolidating all of these uh, repair processes for the period of sleep, where uh, it's it you know not only releases melatonin but also releases growth hormone, it uh, facilitates neural repair, fat burning, that sort of thing. And <laughs> it's you know funny to think about what what would be the like the reason uh, why did we evolve these sorts of um, you know mechanisms or these pathways that that as as the temp temperatures tend to cool down then it's, it's sort of a signals the body to try to fall asleep. Do, do you have any like ideas? What would be like the reason for it? 
Yeah, so some of the evolutionary science on that is, is really pretty fun. So when we're going through episodes during the day, let's say, you know, the hunter-gatherer discovers there's a lion somewhere, has an altercation with it, um, they have to uh, decide whether that's valuable information to keep or not. So, but right now what happens is during the day when you have an altercation or something that you potentially need to remember, you might not need to remember your lunch you had that day, but maybe you need to remember an important meeting similar to that lion. It'd be helpful for that hunter gatherer to remember that. So that mm -hmm. gets put in actually in a, in a holding pattern. So all your memories, all your emotions for the day actually get held and then they get processed. And over the period of two weeks during that, especially deep sleep time, some of the emotions are a little more in the REM sleep. It, it sort of uh, depends on the researcher which way they feel like it goes, but definitely during sleep, those memories are consolidated and they're sorted. And that ongoing sorting process of short-term and long-term memory, deciding what we are supposed to do with those memories, that context is done during sleep. Um, it gives us time to reflect. It's really set aside as a reflection time to heal, a reflection time for memories, a reflection time for emotions. A lot of people with PTSD um, have really poor sleep, mental health issues, depression, all have very poor sleep. And a lot of it is they're not uh, able to get that time to sort through those emotions to to categorize those properly and they think that that's part of that mechanism is if they can get better sleep they actually have less episodes uh, for mental health issues as well so it's really super important for um, basically reconciling whatever we did during the day and I think the premise uh, evolutionary wise is we didn't want to take time during the day to, mm -hmm. to be uh, to do that sort of consolidation and healing because during the day we could be attacked or we could have a, a, a yeah. need to jump in at any moment but this is a chance for our our bodies to have enough sort of deep work time to, f to fix things yeah yeah that's that's a that's a great point that if you if you were to be spending time and resources to do those things during the daytime then you would be probably eaten alive and uh, like you, you don't really have time you know mo some most of the, some of the predators are active during the daytime but some of them are also like active during nighttime so it's still a gamble in the sense that you're taking your chances but that's the least you got and that's the only time you really have you know to uh, take the chance or roll the dice when if you were to be thrown into the nature and I, and I think it was a, probably an evolutionary lower risk at night uh, especially yeah. after we developed fires and other ways to protect ourselves but you know during the day you're usually moving and trying to hunt or gather so you're much more vulnerable than when you sort of hunker down or you're in your cave or you're in your village or you're in your tribe you're part of a bigger group it's part of that herd mentality you could still get picked off but you're 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 in a closer group. Um, mm -hmm. And so evolutionary wise, we evolved to be in that safe space because more humans uh, really means a safer space. It doesn't mean all humans are safe in that group, but it yeah. does mean that our odds of surviving when we're in a close knit group at night in a tribe are, are higher. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but like, what do we, have, have you seen any research saying uh, what's like the best temperature for sleep or the optimal range for it? So it re again, that's pretty subjective. Um, when you look at the different body types, if you look at it from an energy production uh, sort of scenario first. So when we do look at human thermal modeling, um, BMI, 
age, gender, all those sort of factors come into place. Um, I like to sort of picture the NFL, the, the American football lineman at 350 pounds is not going to have the same heat profile as, you know, a small female or even a, you know, an adolescent uh, person. So there's a pretty wide range on how much heat someone puts off. And it would be very similar to uh, you wouldn't take a Ferrari and expect that it was going to have the same heat load or the same requirements to move that heat as it would just a, a small little hybrid car engine. So, you know, there is a very wide difference on how much heat goes off to start with. But I think most people, you know, when you think about what temperature to start at or, or how you begin this process, a lot of people know what they like to get into bed to, where they need to start their sleep. And maybe it is that room temperature. They like a room temperature bed. Um, I still like a warm bed to start to sleep because that's part of like that snuggling down and, and feeling right. warm especially in the wintertime, less in the summertime, but definitely in the wintertime, I want to I wanna have that sort of nesting feeling. Mm -hmm. um, Todd, uh, my business partner, husband, he can sleep on a slab of ice every <laughs> single night. Um, so he wants it as cold as possible. So within, uh, you know, what you know you like, there is sort of a range from that. So wherever you start. So the best way is if you look at your body temperature at that 37 degrees, um, you want to, you know, at the ideal sort of thermal neutral space where you're, you're not actually warming up is uh, at least seven degrees Celsius cooler than that. Okay. So you want to be at least there and if you start obviously at room temperature you probably want to be a little cooler than that if you're a person that's always going cold then that you're you're kind of already starting your body's already saying i put off a lot of heat i have a high heat profile and so climbing into a warm bed is uh, a cool bed already is is you're already where you're at so there's not a whole lot of adjustment needed but it really does sort of depend on on where that starts Okay. Yeah, that's a good, good uh, point. So to say that everyone has their own, um, you know, cold tolerance as well as their subjective circadian rhythm. So uh, what's, what's the optimal thing for some one person isn't definitely going to be the same thing for another one. So you just have to kind of know, uh, or, uh, you know, do some testing, experimenting as well as just uh, pay attention to uh, how well do you feel after a certain nights of sleep. I remember like when Every time, like I was, um, you know, if I were to in the past sleep, you know, like a really cold environment, like for instance, outside in the snow or something, then it would be always very rejuvenative in the morning, despite the fact that it's like very chilly and it's, you know, somewhat uncomfortable to fall asleep. It's still, you know, because of the cold aspect, it kind of knocks you out and uh, makes you fall asleep uh, pretty fast and effectively. So have you noticed, like, uh, how does you know, how does, how does your uh, body respond to, let's say, a very hot environment or a very cold environment? Yeah. So again, going back to that circadian rhythm and what you refer to as, you know, a lot of people find that sort of camping or that outdoor sleeping environment, um, unless it's, I guess, the heat of the summer, but is a, a much more conducive to very restful sleep. And that really does match when we look at what happens in the body. And it talks about, um, so you're, 
you have several stages of sleep that you go through. Uh, in very general terms, those are that's light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep. Um, and as you go to fall asleep, you quickly move through light sleep and into deep sleep. Now you will cycle um, through all of those stages all night long. But the first half of the night before your body reaches that valley of coldest point is predominantly deep sleep. And that deep sleep, uh, in order to get really good quality deep sleep, it does want it to be colder. And the, and the colder your body can tolerate, the better, really, at that point. And yeah. that is most associated with that feeling of feeling rested. So when we've done studies um, with military or people that only have a short window to sleep, like a six hours of window mm -hmm. instead of that, that eight, um, if they use cooling uh, specifically during that first part of the night, we are able to get the same deep sleep uh, as they would have gotten in eight hours. So mm -hmm. on average, you want to get about two hours of deep sleep, maybe a little bit more if you're very physically active. Um, and deep sleep diminishes with age. So that's a great number if you're 20, but by the time you're 80, you may have none. So somewhere in there, it really depends on the person and your genetics a little bit on how fast that falls off. And obviously, if you have have health issues, it'll fall off faster. Deep sleep also gets lost if you have health issues. Part of that is as we don't feel well, we, we run a temperature. It makes it harder to get deep sleep. So there's lots of things that'll take away that deep sleep. But if you're able to cool, you're able to achieve um, much greater density of deep sleep and achieve those numbers that you got when you were 20. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's what I've noticed as well, that um, during the summer, for instance, uh, in the past, if I didn't have like the chili pads, then uh, even if it wasn't like a really massively hot day i still didn't sleep as well because of like the the humidity and all those things that tend to just make it harder for you to fall asleep and you you wake up more often as well but with a chili pad you know even despite the fact that it's 30 degrees celsius or you know 40 degrees celsius outside you can still uh, sleep well because th thanks to the th technology kind of cooling it down and uh, you know you can rise above the environment <laughs> in some aspects yeah, and it's a pretty efficient way to do it. Uh, you know, North Carolina, probably pretty similar to where you are, but certainly in the spring and fall, we're able to have windows open and we don't need to run sort of that, uh, you know, management of that climate. But it's really nice to still be able to control the uh, temperature still under where you sleep because it, it really enhances that. So yeah. it is really nice. The chili pad runs on 170 watts of power and the ULA runs on 140 watts of power and we've matched that to sort of that human thermal load that I talked about so it's a really efficient way uh, to either augment what's already happening in your house but also if you don't have any on it really makes it nice to have the windows open and not worry about it yeah that's for sure um, you you mentioned um, the ULA so this is your latest kind of addition to the chili pad. So what's the difference between the original chili pad and uh, the older? Well, the original chili pad would be like a traditional thermostat where you set the temperature and it actively maintains that for as long as it runs. So when you go to sleep, it's one temperature and it's that temperature all night long. Um, the genesis of Uller uh, has some technological 
technological advances as far as being able to adjust fan speed and it's a little bit quieter, obviously a little more energy efficient. But the real premise is to be able to adjust your sleep schedules. So I like to think of sleep in terms of buckets, um, mostly buckets because I'm a farm girl and you put messy stuff in buckets. So the first part of your night where we talked about that sleep switch or when you like to climb into bed, that's sort of the first bucket of the night and you need to set a temperature there. But again, as we just mentioned, that second section, but really the first part of the night once you've fallen asleep is deep sleep and it likes it cooler. But that third bucket is when it's uh, very heavily into REM sleep, your body is actually coming out of that valley. So it may not want it as cold. So some people with the chili pad would set it really cold and they'd like it for the first half of the night, but they would wake up in the morning a little bit too cold and they'd want to be able to adjust a little bit warmer as they start to come up to their morning, just like you would imagine the earth warming as the sun starts to rise. So that third bucket uh, for most people, it's going to be a little bit warmer. Even Todd, who likes it super cold, really does warm that up more to room temperature uh, at that sec- uh, third bucket of the night. So Uller allows you to sort of schedule that and sort of set those different parameters. Obviously, those buckets may be a little different depending on when you go to sleep. Um, you want to picture from the time you go to sleep, it's about four hours to that lowest part of the valley. So you need to schedule those buckets around uh, when that is. And that's just a kind of a way to ballpark where that circadian rhythm is. It's not very official, but it's a whole lot more fun than having a core body temperature thermometer on all night. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it, it also like then mimics the natural circadian rhythm where uh, you would naturally start to raise your body temperature in the morning and mm-hmm. uh, kind of wake yourself up. Yeah, there is a warm awake alarm that is amazing. And because that is the natural way which your body is signaled to wake up, uh, even hunter-gatherer studies, uh, Jerry Siegel out of UCLA did a fabulous hunter-gatherer study over the more than a year, tracked hunter-gatherer tribes. And their body temperatures and their sleep habits were, uh, they had a shorter sleep window, uh, like around six hours, but they did follow it based on temperature and their body temperatures mimicked that. And it was a clear sort of um, reevaluation of, of that sleep switch and, the, and how those neurons are triggered. So the reverse happens in the morning, those same neurons then release cortisol and uh, help to wake you up and sort of start the day. So your morning hormones can be triggered by temperature. And when you have a warm awake alarm, all of those things make you want to get out of bed in a like in a healthy way because your sleep cycle is not dragging. It's it's been emphasized to to push you out of bed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. One thing I also appreciate about the Uller is that um, you can put it on airplane mode, so to say. So you're not going to have like the blue Bluetooth or some other EMF disrupting your sleep because that can actually <laughs> make it worse. So fortunately. Uh, it it doesn't have to be on, online uh, constantly and it's not going to disrupt your sleep that way. No, as a physicist, the EMFs, it, I think, is going to hit a global crisis. I think, you know, we have not evolved to have EMFs in our lives and certainly not at the quantity, you know, uh, 5G's going to roll out, roll out here in the U.S. Uh, the the level of EMFs in our lives is only increasing with all our smart devices. They're great for convenience, but it is definitely a problem. So, obviously, the control units do have a small field of EMF, 
but it is it can be placed far away from your bed and doesn't affect your sleeping zone at all because that's yeah. really important to us and and that same thing that you talked about being able to turn off the bluetooth you turn it on to set your alarm set any profiles or uh scheduling you want to do and then you can turn it off yeah because like that's the most kind of precious time for your body when you are like in deep sleep because that's like we already talked about that's where you repair yourself that's where you consolidate memory that's where you release growth hormone that sort of things and the emf can just uh, mitigate or uh, jeopardize that processes and you even if you're not like this completely shielded from emf all the time you definitely would want to get out of your own way and make sure that your sleep is, is at least as protected from these uh, frequencies as much as possible. And uh, yeah, it's, it's some of the uh, underestimated aspect of sleep and health. But I, yeah, like I said, I think it's gonna become more of an issue <laughs> with the, with the uh, you know, advancement of 5G and these other technologies. So yeah, that's definitely making sure that in, in some aspects of uh, lowering the amount of EMF in your environment, especially during sleep is a pretty smart, smart idea. Yeah, I think it's going to be really important that our bodies at least get a break. And there are some studies that are coming out that if you can sleep EMF free or very low EMFs, that your body can recover from even high bursts of EMF during the day. So yeah. I think that that safe place of creating that sleep environment that's a safe place to heal um, is only going to get more important. Yeah, definitely. One cool thing about this uh, temperature aspect is as well that uh, when you are, you know, when your body experiences cooler temperatures or shivering even, then it's go going to uh, convert some of your uh, white fat into brown fat. So the br brown adipose tissue is the metabolically more active fat tissue compared to the white adipose tissue. And it's going to burn more calories for heat production and it also promotes insulin sensitivity. So sleeping in a cooler environment or doing some form of like cold thermogenesis it can help you to lose weight and uh, burn more, more fat at the process. So uh, that's a cool kind of addition for some people who are interested in like body composition and uh, general health. Yeah, the recovery numbers across the board and everything from that metabolic uh, fat conversion just to even just muscle soreness. So some of those uh, people uh we have a lot of crossfit athletes a lot of marathon athletes that really benefit you know from those intense workouts where you know your muscles are highly fatigued it really helps with that as well so there is a whole slew of metabolic and healing aspects that you know the list is is really big so beyond just the the mental part, the memories, the deep sleep is now, loss of deep sleep is being associated with Alzheimer's and cognitive decline with age. So there's so many parts to just getting good deep sleep. Yeah, yeah. Are there like any other hacks you do for deep sleep besides temperature? You know, I, I think a big part of the sleep is uh, going into sleep with as low stress metric as possible. Um, I do use an aura ring, so I track my HRV, and I feel like the recovery numbers are so much better when I keep track of my stress. And I feel like the other sort of thing that we use to mitigate stress sometimes is alcohol or having a glass of wine in the evening. But uh, if we can manage stress with mindfulness, with breath work, with, uh, you know, really depends on what 
your Tai Chi, the yoga, whatever that is for you, that journaling, gratitude, mm-hmm. the list is pretty endless, whatever that, that version is for you. Uh, instead of alcohol, the alcohol is not great for deep sleep. It may help you fall asleep. And so a lot of people feel like, well, I relax, I have a glass <laughs> of wine and I fall asleep better. Um, but when you look at those recovery numbers, that HRV recovery, uh, it, it doesn't do doesn't do well with that. So I think it's one of those, we think of ourselves as relaxing and we may use tools like alcohol to relax, but nothing really beats that mindfulness and peacefulness to drop your daily stress and then go to sleep in a spot where you're really looking to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Like alcohol is kind of misleading in the sense that it kind of numbs you down and knocks you out to a certain extent. But uh, when you look at the data, then uh, it definitely disrupts the natural sleep cycle so you like you mentioned earlier your body goes through different stages of sleep and with alcohol i think yeah, it decreases deep sleep while at the same time i think i think it may also increase the REM sleep so you're just kind of dreaming more and seeing some sort of hallucinations or something like that so it's uh, not in the in the grand scheme of things it's not really beneficial and definitely not something that you want to you know become dependent on yeah, like all things, you know, there's a balance, you know, as uh, biohacker uh, tribe people, I think there's there's all sorts of things we do. But uh, I have a good friend that's super paleo, but he still likes pizza sometimes. So, you know, you all have to like manage it, but to keep track or maybe create a journal or, you know, track yeah. what you're doing so that you know that you're not eating pizza every night or you're not drinking wine every night but on a friday night out with friends it's you know you you still need to enjoy life right right that's for sure everything in moderation (laughs) yes uh but have you tried any like um you know cold showers or ice baths those are the things because some people swear by those uh before bed as well yeah so i am a huge fan of cryotherapy i think that uh ice baths uh i do cryotherapy at least once a week um, in a cryo chamber. Um, I think that so that it really boils down for me to the physics part. Uh, In physics, the thermodynamics is described often with entropy and we measure the age of the universe in entropy. Mm-hmm. Entropy being, you know, disorder and, and heat in a scenario. And I really feel like, you know, the Winhoff method, there's all sorts of cases that are coming out that this cold therapy or cryotherapy, ice baths, and certainly ice uh, temperature cycling with ice baths and saunas is really amazing for our immune system, for our metabolism, for our mental state. It is, uh, I really feel like there's, there is measurable change in my mental state after doing a cryotherapy session beyond the physical aspects of recovery and, and muscles and all those sort of things. There is a mental change of feeling more oxygenated, feeling uh, healthy high on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also just, you know, disrupts the homeostasis again. Uh, you know, you, you, you go through the huge variation in the temperature and that just, you know, creates this uh, beneficial stressor on the body. And uh, yeah, for instance, when I take like, like an ice bath, then for that night, I'm definitely sleeping like very well and uh, feel very rejuvenated from it because your body just wants to recover from it to a certain extent. And yeah, it feels, feels pretty damn good. Uh, pl- plus there's a thing that like the, the most of the longest living organisms 
tend to live in this very cold climates like sharks and clams and whales they're all living in like very lower temperatures compared to uh, something like in the tropics which don't have that long lifespans and part of it i think some research shows that yeah the temperature plays a pretty big role in the lifespan of an or organism yeah, I definitely think it's a big part of the longevity piece. Uh, temperature, I think we're just starting to understand it. Even in sleep, temperature is a very new thing to be talking about. Uh, I think it's been hard to study because it's uh, hard to put people in that environment and then study them because it's not always easy with all of the devices needed to measure that. But I think that it's the, as a, a field of research, it's just starting to open up on all the ways we can help ourselves by basically cycling through temperature. You know, we, are, as you mentioned, we live in an environment now that's a constant temperature for the most part. We live in a constant light environment, but we didn't evolve in a constant environment at all. We evolved to be uncomfortable most of the time and our modern conveniences have made it great to be comfortable all the time, but our bodies need discomfort. Those It needs those change. It needs some sort of delta in yeah. our lives in order to trigger some of the things that really help us to heal, help us to thrive. And so it is, it's the biohacker in me says, put more change, more change in there. <laughs> You know? yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, stress stress can be very beneficial if you take it in the rather in the right amount. So chronic stress and too much stress will definitely, you know, damage your health and uh, wreck your metabolism and uh, shorten your lifespan, etc. But if you do it in the in in the right dose at the right time and with proper recovery, then it's, it's very good for both physical development and uh, you know mental development as well. So uh, I like to think that you know if you are during your daytime like uh, pushing it hard, pushing the envelope and uh, kind of keeping yourself in this very sympathetic state, then uh, at nighttime and in the evening, you definitely have to compensate for it. And uh, your sleep should never be stressed out and your sleep should never be in the sympathetic uh, state because it's going to keep you up and it's not going to allow your body to go into the uh, deeper stages of recovery. So it doesn't matter how hard you go, you have to make sure that you sleep harder as well and you <laughs> recover harder as well. Yeah, it should definitely, your sleep should match your day. So if you've had a very intense day, you you know, that's where you definitely want to, you know, augment it any way you can with, you know, either a chili pad kind of device or a ice bath, anything you can do to, to trigger that sleep harder kind of philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's actually more important for uh, like even muscle growth or fat loss, your uh, sleep is very kind of quintessential for those processes. Well, and I think the other thing that's been pretty proven with sleep is when you get really good recovery sleep, you actually have better willpower, you make better decisions, you live a more cognitive, productive life. And that in itself actually allows you to do better. So if you're, you're in a weight loss sort of, or a diet and you have to work through that, you have to own those choices, exercise same thing you got to own those choices you're going to make a better decision on what choices you make when you sleep well so it augments it not only physically but those mental inputs that are required to do anything that's going to be changing mm -hmm. uh it helps with all of that yeah yeah like if you have a bad sleep then not only is your body like less metabolically flexible 
but it's also psychologically harder to make the right decisions. Like you have less willpower and you, you have more cravings for junk food, etc. So it's like a vicious cycle. The, the, worse you sleep, the worse your sleep is, the easier it is for you to fall off the diet and uh, the harder it is for you to actually make progress. So how do you fix that with a good night's sleep? But yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very hard process to kind of overcome, but you know, the change has to happen somewhere. It does. And I, I really feel like for me, whenever I'm going into any new change or to experiment on some new intervention, the, the highest on the list is to make sure that I've slept well. So I have that mental space and that mental headroom in order to, to achieve better. There's lots of studies that say that, again, without good sleep, you're going to eat as much as 450 extra calories the next day and they're going to be carbs and all those sugars yeah. that you you shouldn't eat but you just want to we've all had those tired hungries yeah. uh where we want to eat all the worst things <laughs> but that's you know the comfort food tastes best that's true yeah it's it's pretty hard uh so uh you mentioned that your husband sleeps on a different temperature and he prefers the cold so uh as i understand the chili pad has like multi multi uh you know you know you can you can have one side of the bed being cool and the other one being at a different temperature yeah so uh we sell it in dual zones is what we call so there's a remote or an adjustable part for each side uh we also do sell some for some people where one person uh it's just one person and they only want one half of the bed or they want to try one half of the bed so you know we call that a me or a we um so if you want it just for yourself you can fit it on on half a bed as well yeah yeah it's it's pretty convenient like um the it does, it's not like massive technology that you have to kind of install into your bed or something it's just like a mattress you put it underneath your sheets and it doesn't you don't feel it during the during night like uh, there's no difference between sleeping on a regular bed uh, or, or on the um, Uller. Yeah, no, we've done all the pressure testing. It's literally just if you would put a mattress protector or a mattress pad on your mattress, it's just that. It just goes under the sheet. Um, you know, the maintenance required is is very little. Uh, it depends a little bit on the humidity of your home environment, but, you know, it may fill it up once a month. Mm -hmm. um, the Uller actually has a UV light which treats the water. Uh, chili, you can... Um, there's a treatment once a month that prevents it similar to a, a dehumidifier or humidifier that it's a similar treatment to that just to keep it from um, getting yucky in there. But it's a very low maintenance requirement. When you figure all the other interventions and things that you're going to do, you pretty much put it on your bed and forget about it and mm -hmm. it helps you sleep. It's yeah. pretty yeah. amazing that way. Yeah. And uh, I think you can also like pre-schedule the uh, release or the cooling process like on the app on the Uller app you can schedule like okay my usual bedtime is at i don't know 10 30 and the Uller is going to automatically start cooling the bed before that 
is that true <laughs> oh yes that's i think that's the best part because then you climb into the bed at the temperature you want and usually it takes people somewhere 10 to 15 minutes to fall asleep so you know some people will read or whatever you can even pre-warm it for when you read or if you spend a period of time in bed sort of in that relaxation or or pre-bed state reading like i said or whatever um and then you can have it adjust once you sort of fall asleep what that bedtime is uh we also you can schedule it it's awesome for naps um if you are someone that does naps uh you can also use it for that so mm. it's it's pretty flexible and once it's on your bed you can set that schedule to work however it works for you mm. weekdays versus weekends or uh different you know different schedules for different days Hmm. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't tried taking a nap on it, but I'm gonna have to try it out because it sounds sounds pretty good. It sounds a pretty good idea to kind of allow your body to cool down during the daytime as well. And uh, you know, in theory, you would uh, get more out of a shorter nap as well because it's like a cooler temperature. Yeah, there's a uh, sort of a, a big group of people when you look at sort of chronotypes or what that circadian rhythm individual profile is, uh, especially late night night, night owls um, can benefit any shift workers or, or if you have jet lag, you can also benefit from using the temperature to help sort of shift your sleep schedule. And the same works for naps, you can uh, set it very short and again, use your warm awake to warm you up. So you don't nap too long or too, don't fall into too deep of sleep. Um, so there's a lot of ways to sort of use this to hack your sleep with whatever that polyphasic schedule is of, of sleep for you or whatever uh, time you need to sleep. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what about the uh, noise or the fan? What's the purpose there of the white noise? So the fan actually, uh, there is white noise to it. It's honestly, we use uh, a Pelche devices or thermoelectrics, uh, the same type of device uh, with a heat sink that you would use in a tower computer. Um, it's existed really since computers came out. It's a pretty efficient way to heat or cool. Um, it's quieter than a compressor, but it does create a, you need a fan to basically, so a Peltier chip works where there's two different metals that are smushed together. And when you run electricity through one direction, it's going to put off heat off one side. And then if you run reverse polarity and you run the electricity through the other way, it actually puts off cooling. And so it's a fabulous way to basically put cooling or heating into the system. And we use that to cool or heat the water. Um, but you have to remove that heat from the other side of the chip when you're cooling. And so we use a heat sink, which is some fins and a fan, and that helps drive that heat away so we can use the cooling more, most efficiently. So there is a fan, it's, it is like a computer fan. Um, so it does have a, a bit of white noise. The Uller, you actually have multiple fan speeds. So you mm -hmm. can go in your app and adjust what that fan speed is. Uh, it really depends on the person, whether they, how much, how much they want that or not. And that's where that fan speed comes in. Some people love having more noise. Some people want less. Yeah. Yeah. And the noise actually helps you to fall asleep and uh, kind of protect yourself from the outside noises during the night as well. So, uh, like you can even meditate on that noise because it's just kind of this repetitive and uh, almost silencing aspect to it. 
It is. White noise, uh, as far as a sleep aid, uh, is pretty fabulous in what it can do to sort of calm your mind. And like you said, focus meditation. It's a, you know, a, a lot of people will, when they are setting that bed temperature, will will plan that sort of space to meditate or gratitude time or, or sort of work on, on clearing their head of that stress during the day. And that's a good benefit of having that white noise running while you're doing that. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like, um, you know, a rainfall <laughs> that uh, also has like a similar white noise aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, what are some other things that could potentially disrupt the person's sleep? So we've mentioned temperature, we've mentioned uh, stress, we've mentioned on like light, like are there any, anything else that you've noticed that disrupts your sleep? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately there's always your sleep partner. There's uh, (laughs) pets or animals, there's children. Um, There's, you know, uh, all of those sort of outside factors. Those are obviously uh, in various degrees for different people. Um, So those are depending on what those phases are in. Obviously a newborn is very disruptive to sleep, but a teenager may not be. Um, so you may go through different stages in your life in which those outside factors are a bigger one. Um, but diet and when you eat, when you exercise can be a factor. Um, I really encourage people to, there's a bunch of quizzes online, um, to test your chronotype. And what that means is just figure out whether you're more of a morning person or a night person. Uh, some of that will switch some of the timing of when you should go to bed because that sleep switch it definitely has a timing based on your circadian rhythm, and it's going to also be timed based on when you last ate your meal. Um, but it'll give you some really good cues for your day on when you should do that. A morning person uh, chronotype should definitely work out in the morning. If they do work out at night, it should be a yoga or a stretching or mm-hmm. not a high cardiovascular load late at night. That's going to disrupt their sleep. Right, right. So although exercise can be really good if you time it too close to when you go to sleep, especially for someone that's a morning person, that can be very disruptive. Um, some of that depends on age too, because that becomes much more disruptive as you get older. A teenager may not care if they work out right before they go to bed because their circadian rhythm is developing. So they've got a little more flexibility than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So again, it's there's a, a gender and age bias to that but getting that ballpark of doing your activities timed to that body clock is is a really helpful part to sleep and it can be also very disruptive if you aren't timing that right yeah that's true uh what's your chronotype are you more of like a morning person or a night owl I am a morning person, but my husband is a night owl. So um, we're kind of on opposite ends. We've had to figure that out over the years of, uh, for me, I like to go to bed, uh, start, well, I start my night process by about 9.30 at night so that I've kind of worked through my bedtime routine of relaxing and and obviously doing uh, teeth brushing and all those sort of things uh, by 10 o'clock. But Todd could go to bed at midnight just as easily. Um, But he also can nap. I don't nap very well. If I Mm -hmm. nap, it can be very disruptive. So that's also part of that same chronotype. Um, 
but I love getting up in the morning. I'm definitely a sunrise person. So that, that start to that day, getting up and exercising early, all of those things are really make me a better person and timing that right really changes the flow of my day. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm also like more of a morning person. And at the same time, like you, you, you tend to go to bed earlier as well. So there's a myth that people who are waking up early, they don't sleep at all, but they do. They just go to bed earlier. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, and it's hard because I think sometimes it definitely gets a bad rap because you're not the same party owl uh, as the night owl person it, that you're ready to go out. But when you treat your circadian rhythm and your chronotype with respect, you get pretty good results in that work cognitive load happens earlier in the day mm -hmm. so the other thing that circadian rhythm can help you is if you do have deep work that you need to do for work um, it can help you with timing that because uh, if you're really keeping track of that it's it's pretty powerful to know when I should do my really deep thinking high creative time for me as a morning person is definitely before lunchtime so if I put off what I really need to do those sort of really important things until the afternoon. I'm definitely not as sharp as right. I am in the morning. Yeah. And, and the thing is that if we were to all go into like a forest and sleep in a tent for a week, then we would all become at least more morning person, more morning people rather than night owls, because we adjust to the circadian rhythm of the environment and, you know, people just, tend to disrupt their circadian rhythms with things like technology and artificial light and temperatures and those sort of things. So they think they are night owls, but the truth is that they're experiencing like mild, you know, uh, sleep disorders or disrupted circadian rhythms sort of thing, because naturally people, humans would uh, gravitate more towards being, you know, in sync with the uh, natural day and night cycles as much as possible. Yeah, so it is, it's definitely heavy that way. There's, you know, of the extreme night owls, it's probably only 13% of the population, as you indicated. You know, there's definitely a way you can shift it. But there's also, it, it is a weird balance between sort of that phenotyping, as you described, and being able to influence it. But there's also an aspect of your genes. So okay. the PER3 gene is actually an indicator also of morning person versus night owl and mm -hmm. if you're a morning person that gene is actually a little bit longer so there is a yeah. genetic there is a genetic part to it but it can be highly influenced by your environment and habits yeah. Yeah. so it is it's it's a weird uh kind of knowing yourself but also uh knowing that you need to respect how long you spend in bed even if you're a night owl that doesn't mean you just don't sleep it just means that you need to still respect your sleep zone and if you can't sleep as long there because you're staying up late then look at naps or polyphasic sleeping or or other aspects to still respect how long you're sleeping yeah yeah totally like the, the chronotypes are real and the people have different chronotypes the thing is that the differences tend to be over exaggerated in a modern modern environment like uh, maybe maybe in the past some people you know stayed up a few hours longer than others to guard the camp or you know the guard the fireplace or something but it's not like that drastic as we see in modern environments where people like literally going to bed at 4 a.m or staying or sleeping until 1 1 p.m etc like in the modern world we're just kind of drifting too far away from the natural uh, phenotype 
yeah we're we're definitely not respecting those biological clocks and they they are they're really grounded in temperature and light so we can shift them because of our technological advances by creating constant temperature environments and constant light um, but at the end of the day we we still want to know uh, and and follow what the earth is doing so yeah. as as we move through that seasonality as we as we look at what the earth is doing if we wander too far from that that's where the disorders really start to pop out yeah that's true and uh, this is a good note to kind of start wrapping things up and to honor the natural rhythms of your body as well as the temperature fluctuations in the environment and light, light cycles. So uh, before I ask my last question, uh, where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so I um, go by sort of my handle is sleepgeek at chilitechnology.com. So you can always send me an email um, and ask your questions. I will always uh, try to get to those. But if you want to learn more about Chili Technology and its products, uh, it's chilitechnology.com. Um, we did do a code, a coupon code. So it is 15% off of Uller and 25% off of Chili, respectively. And it's uh, Seam 15 and Seam uh, 25. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great product. And I definitely noticed like a difference in terms of how fast I fall asleep and uh, how long I spend in like the deep sleep as well from my O-ring. So it's a, it's a great product, especially like um, during the summertime. So currently in Estonia, you know, the winter is coming and it's not going to be that, you know, hot, but at the same time, I'm still going to plan on using the uh, Uller just to have, have a, like a cooler bed. And all the links to the, uh, to the uh, things that we talked about are going to be in the uh, show notes of this episode as well. So uh, my last question for you is, uh, what's this one piece of advice or a habit you wish you adopted sooner that improved your body and your mind? For me, it really was all about sleep. I was a chronic insomniac uh, as a child even. I never slept very well. I don't think I respected sleep very well uh, for most of my life. And I feel like I have had to fight my way back into healthy sleep and a healthy body. And so it really does go back to the, when we started the conversation, uh, if you aren't sleeping well, it, it is affecting you. It is affecting your longevity and your overall health. And uh, my biggest sleep soapbox is respect it, find out what works for you and, and treat it with the utmost uh, kindness. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, like sleep is the uh, biggest thing you should focus on when it comes to improving your health because diet isn't going to work if you're not sleeping well and exercise also is going to be more counterproductive if you're not sleeping enough. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's my top priority for uh, all these biohacks. Uh, well, yeah, it's great talking with you, Tara. And um, unfortunately, we're not going to meet at the Biohacker Summit, but, uh, but we're going to probably meet in some other event, may probably in uh, America. Yeah, I'm, I am sure. Some, somewhere. I was uh, the one at uh, the Biohacker Conference in London, but uh, like I said, I, I for personal things, I can't uh, be in Helsinki, but definitely stop by the, the booth. Um, I will flag a t-shirt for you if you want. It's sleep like a caveman shirt. If you want it, I'll make sure they have one for you. Um, if, I don't know what size you are, but... Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> 
yeah, just, just send an email or, or let us know if, if that's of interest or anything else we can do to help. Uh, we're, we're happy to do that. Yeah, it's great talking with you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you around. Sounds good. Have a great day. You too. All right, that's it for this episode. If you want to get yourself one of those chili pads or the Uller, then head over to the show notes and check out the links. But if you don't go there directly, then use the code SEAM25 to get a 25% discount from the chili pad at the chili pad website or SEAM15 for the 15% discount on the Uller. But other than that, thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you share it around with someone who needs to hear this information. My name is Seam, stay tuned for the next episode, stay empowered.